Parenting is hard, but there's help. Welcome to Everyday Parenting with Mary Beth Henry, a licensed marriage and family therapist and parent educator. Everyday Parenting utilizes face-to-face, unscripted interviews with real parents, but names have been changed to protect their identities. Today's episode is sponsored by Jabberdogs. Speech, language, and communication play a vital role in our lives. Without it, children have difficulty communicating their basic needs and can struggle academically or with peers. At Jabberdogs, speech-language pathologist Stephanie Mashik can help you or your loved one become a successful communicator. Based in Pasadena, California, Jabberdogs offers private speech and language therapy at affordable rates. They also take insurance, including Blue Shield and Anthem Blue Cross of California. Visit Jabberdogs.com for more information. That's J-A-B-B-E-R-D-O-G-S dot com. Today's episode is part of a session Mary Beth had with a group of friends who have kids at varying ages. This episode will feature Reagan's story. If you want to hear more from this group, listen to episodes three and four. So I'm Reagan, and I have three children. Uh, my oldest, Charlie, is four and a half. Um, Avery, my daughter, is two and a half, and I have a one-month-old, um, Oliver. Um, this is kind of a weird thing. I, I can totally relate to the other topics we've already discussed on a major <laughs> level, but this one is kind of a funny thing. My oldest, Charlie, has an issue when my daughter chews near him. She freaks out, (laughs) has to cover his ears, literally has to leave the room, cannot hear her crunching on chips or whatever it is she's eating. And he gets mad and he wants to, he gets aggravated and gets in her face sometimes. Sure, recently we've been able to kind of get him to also eat the same thing so that he himself is crunching. Sure. And so that kind of helps him settle a little bit, but if she asks for something and I, I give her a bowl of chips or snacks or whatever. No, mommy, why'd you do that? Don't mm. give that to sister. Mm. No. And mm. he just like will melt down or, and just get angry okay. and he'll leave the room if he has to or, Whatever, and I, I've even asked the doctor <laughs> about it. I've, I've, we've gone to the pediatrician sure, about it, sure. and she's even—I have no idea what to tell you. Okay. Her other suggestion was to like maybe go see a therapist if, if it really gets to a, that point. But again, the last week or so has kind of gotten a little bit better. Some days he's like, "Mom, I'm okay with it. Like, I look, I can see, I can hear your sister crunching." Okay. Um, and then other days it's just he has to have his own bowl or something just to be in the same room. Okay. With, with her while okay. she's eating okay. or if, if she looks at him while they're eating dinner she's looking at me I can't see her chewing mm. or he'll just mm. cover his ears mm. and yeah. I don't know it's strange <laughs> but if you're crunching but if I'm crunching I can do the same thing I can be eating the same thing my daughter is and he's fine with it yeah. no big deal yeah. it's just her okay it's it, only her <laughs> so okay alright so I'm going to ask you a few questions sure. before I jump right into it. The you know, questions I'm going to ask, tell me a little bit about Charlie's early years from, he's four and a half. He's four and a half. Okay. So when he was born, did he spit up a lot? Was he one who uh, had a lot of reflux? Did he have, no. did he, okay. He did, was my least he was one like that. Least reflux. Okay. Correct. And sleeping wise, how did he sleep? What was his sleep like? Sleeping was okay. Uh, we co-slept a lot because I breastfed for... 16 months. He was so, overall a good sleeper, okay. I would say. Okay. I would say. All right. So if you, if, if, a, if he would be walking down the street right now mm-hmm. um, and a fire engine would come zooming by, mm-hmm. how would we respond to that? 
He would probably just cover his ears and, and make note that, Mommy, that was really loud. Okay. Um, I don't think he would jump or, or okay. be startled by it, but okay. just make note of it. Okay. The reason I'm asking, I'm trying to narrow it down, trying to figure sure. this out for you, but he is, is very selective with his sister eating and not mm-hmm. you eating and mm-hmm. not around him. It, it almost sounds like it's more of an anxiety piece for him okay. than it is a, a sensory piece because everything you say in sensory wise, he's not responding to the world around him as, as heightened sensory. Like mm-hmm. sounds are not disturbing him. Um, if he walks into a room of a lot of people, that's not disturbing him. Correct. No. Right. So that normal sensory pieces are not causing this. Right. But the idea that his sister is eating, mm-hmm. and it's just the idea of her eating, sometimes it's not even her eating, right? Just the idea that you gave her something. That I gave her something, because he, he knows what's coming, I think. Yes. He knows he's going to hear it, yeah. and, or he's going to look at her and see her chewing. Yeah, so that's, that, that's a basic anxiety piece. Okay. That's, that's what it looks like from what you're describing. So the question is, has he seen sister choke? Has sister choked on food or gassed or spit up a lot in front of him as a young child? Not, I guess going back to when she was very young, she would, you know, spit up her, my breast milk or whatever. Or if she was sick, trying to give her medicine, I could, you know, get a little bit in there and then she would just automatically throw up whatever she had eaten prior to that. Okay. And he had seen that several times. He might have said, Mommy, like, ew, gross, or she's getting sick and kind of ran out of the room. Yeah. Maybe, yeah, yeah. maybe it started from then. Yeah, you got to look at all these little things. Because, yeah. you know, it could have been just at that moment. So he was two and a half when she was Correct. She, she, they're two years and three days exactly apart. Okay. So pretty close. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, look at a two and a half year old. They are, I mean, everything's very visual, right? Everything's right. really, not really a lot of understanding of things, but very, very visual. Right. Um, and so just, it could have been one person said maybe once or twice or reacted a certain way. Like, Oh my gosh, she's thrown up again. Right. She's spitting up. Right. Oh, go, you know, and there's a little bit of drama there. Right. You know, and this child might be sensitive to that drama or, or to more sensitive to words and sure. be really attuned to that. Sure. And so he might've held onto that a little bit longer okay. or still holds onto that now. Okay. But just the idea of her eating may not be about the chewing at all. Mm. It might be about that. She's eating. Mm. Like I said, he's not, he's even responding to the fact that she's getting food. Right. 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 So, yeah. So he's using, he's tr- communicating very clearly when she gets the food. I, I don't want to be, I, oh, that sound. Oh, mm-hmm. that, oh, you know, I would think if I were to watch him and just mm-hmm. see that one scene, I would, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, it's very sensory. He's very attuned to noises and that crunching sound is all so, so overwhelming for him. Right. But when you say it's even before she gets the food. Yeah. It's the anticipation of mm-hmm. the sound or the eating. That's sure. what we don't know. Sure. And so what we have to do is desensitize him to this, mm-hmm. which um, you've tried a few ways of, of giving them all the same food, which was mm-hmm. great. You know, mm-hmm. so you can kind of, and when he's crunching away, mm-hmm. you see less reaction? Absolutely, yeah. And yeah. He'll, he'll go stand in front of her and chew food in front of her. And, Interesting. Um, and he's fine. I mean, yeah. it, he, sometimes it almost, he does it to like antagonize her now too. Well, like, that's what I'm wondering. React. Yeah, that's what I'm wondering too. What does she do when he's sitting there saying, oh, stop chewing. Oh, normally, the chewing. Normally nothing. It would just be like a normal, like she's sitting in a chair mm-hmm. eating or she's, you know, watching TV at the same time and, and. He just, it's just so strange. Like the fact that she's got food and, yeah. and or she's asking for it and, and it's just weird. And then if I'm chewing or say I, it's just me by myself chewing, she's not eating anything and he's sitting away. He can't really see me or her. He'll say, is that sister chewing? 
And if mm-hmm. it's her that he reacts, if I say no, it's me, then yeah. he just okay, doesn't say yeah. anything. So really, I, I really, my, my, my gut feeling here is anxiety about her choking mm-hmm. and her eating. And I think what, what, what we really need to do is desensitize him to that idea of her choking and educating him about what to do if sister mm-hmm. chokes, what to do if I choke. Okay. What does it feel like? What do you remember about your sister right. when she was a baby? Right. Do you remember when she used to, and I want you to replay stories. Mm-hmm. Do you remember, not in a very lightheartedly way, mm-hmm. and now that you have the baby, mm-hmm. the one month old, mm-hmm. this is all going to come back and it's going to get more heightened right now because right. he's going to start putting that onto the new baby now. Right. Right. And so it would be very interesting to follow up with this in the next couple of months to see. Sure. Is he, when you do feed the baby, is he really aware when you're burping? And what is he watching? So keep an eye on what he is watching sure. and how he's watching you take care of the baby okay. to see what he focuses on. Is okay. he is he saying, oh, mommy, the baby's crying. Got to get mm-hmm. to the baby. Or, oh, mommy, oh, oh he's choking. Mm-hmm. You listen to the language. Okay. Because that's going to give you clues okay. to what he's anxious about. Got it. Okay. So do you see the difference between the sensory piece and the anxiety? This is where anxiety and sensory go hand in hand a lot of times. And they get very confused. But just what I'm hearing, I think more anxiety Mm -hmm. versus sensory. Mm -hmm. And so we would have to really focus on really kind of filtering it through now. Picking up little little cues that he gives you. So when sister gets the crunchy food, it would be relabeling it as... You know, if it's carrots, boy, mm-hmm. these carrots are really crunchy and they're so good for our bodies because they clean our teeth when we eat them and they're right. great for our bodies. Right. We're going to reemphasize the, the energy and the, and the mm-hmm. idea of that food to something different than choking on it or being crunchy. But anxiety is a very powerful tool. And so when he sits down and starts um, fretting and thinking about, oh, she's going to eat her food, she's going to eat her food, what you do need to acknowledge with anxiety with him is, I can see right now, the language would be, I can see right now. Okay. What is this, Charlie? Charlie, I can see right now you're thinking about your sister eating. Mm-hmm. Just acknowledge what you see and hear that he's doing. Okay. Acknowledging it. Because at that moment, what you're going to say next is nothing. Because he needs to know that you see it before mm-hmm. he has to big reaction sure. for you to really understand it. Sure. So, Charlie... I can see your hands and your legs are going and it looks like you're getting, you're thinking about your sister eating. Mm -hmm. Whatever you see, I don't know what he's doing, but Mm -hmm. look for the little cues that you can start getting his pre-anxiety out in the open. Because it's all about seeing it, acknowledging it, and then as a parent pausing a little bit and letting him know because he's going to start understanding that you get him at that way you understand what something's really bothering him about this. And then saying, you know what, you did this the other night too when, when we had this food. Mm-hmm. I wonder what's going on. And I really like the wonder question. Mm-hmm. I wonder what's going on. I wonder what, that's interesting that she had the same food last time and you did this and now you're doing it again. I wonder why you don't like that sound or that food mm-hmm. or you don't like your sister to have that food. We want to jump to finish it and fix it, right? right. Oh, there's no reason. Why are you, why are you so upset? We, mm-hmm. we don't. He needs you to go back okay. and help him understand it. Okay. And in that processing of slowing it down and processing it, I think he will start telling you really what's going on. Okay. I'm really worried that when she chews that, she might swallow too big of a piece. Okay. okay so was that something that she, maybe he did? Maybe he swallowed a big piece way back when and choked or gabbed. Okay. Or maybe she did. Or maybe he thought she did. Right. And she didn't know what to do. He didn't know what to do. Right. So it would be listening to that 
and then help him. You're not going to give him the full lesson in the Heimlich at this age, right? But <laughs> but you can tell him that you understand what to do. Sure. If sister is choking. Sure. Or sister, if that if that's what he brings up, okay. you understand? Mm-hmm. So slow it down, narrate it, pause. Don't go into fixing it. Okay. But just hear him, okay. because that's what he's telling you right now with all. Anxiety, it's all, I have not been heard. Mm-hmm. And so I create these big emotions and actions to show you right. what right. I'm afraid of, but I can't really explain it. Sure. I can't tell you what he's really afraid of. Yeah, I think it's still hard, maybe his age, I don't know. But it is, I've, I mean, I've asked him, you know, what is it about her crunching or what is it about that noise that bothers you so much? Yeah. And, and why doesn't questions. it bother you when I do the same Those thing? Those are great questions. Those and, are great questions. And, so so and yeah. put, put, put the wonder question. I wonder sure. why. I wonder why when sister crunches, but what you you don't like that, but when I crunch mm-hmm. on the same food, yeah. I wonder why. And that wonder question really gets them okay. thinking. Okay. Versus if you ask a direct question with any age child, you sure. say, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Sure. But a wonder question, and then it has a process of thinking. Right. And say, so, you know what, let's think about this. Sure. That's what he needs to hear versus, I'm not, we can't solve it, right? Yeah. Let's think about I it. I like that. I like that approach. Let's process it. Let's okay. really try to figure this out. Sure. Um, but, yeah, those are, those are the two pieces, yeah, that I would uh, definitely, sensory versus anxiety, I would lean more towards anxiety. Okay. And there's something, there's something there. Okay. We just need to get to the bottom of it. Great. Yeah, let's just real quick then. Uh, bedtime is just another issue, and we don't kind of. I try to always have the same schedule every day, but I'm horrible at keeping it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> horrible. Um, so my son, my oldest, Charlie, likes to. He, the way he'll fall asleep is in our bed, and and then I carry him to to his room, and you know I always tell him I'm trying to get him to. Okay, do it for this consecutive nights and you'll get a surprise or something. Mm-hmm. You know, stay in your bed all mm-hmm. night until mm-hmm. the morning until we have to get up and yeah. get ready for school. When you put him in his bed, he doesn't stay there all night then? Um, no, like about half the time I would say now. Yeah. Sometimes he does yeah. and, and sometimes yeah. he doesn't. And do you understand why he doesn't do that? I, I just think he gets scared. He, he gets scared when he wakes up in the middle of the night and he realizes he's by himself yeah. in, in yeah. this room that he, you know, he's scared of and yeah. he thinks monsters are there now. And, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and, and yeah. so he runs to our room. Yeah, so lovely idea that you want to cuddle them and hold them and put them in, the, in your bed and then put them in there. Sure. You know, that's, if you were co-sleeping, they get to stay in your bed, and that's fine. But mm-hmm. when you transfer them asleep into another bed, mm-hmm. um, what, what they're thinking, what children think when you do that is that their room isn't safe enough to do that. Mm-hmm. That's their logical thinking. And so when they wake up in the middle of the night, and they're not in that place that's, that's un, that they're in that place that's unsafe, mm-hmm they're going to go back to where they know it's safe. So okay. a few things you can do in that room. And remember, uh, my whole thing is bedtime issues are not really about bedtime and sleeping. It's about daytime issues that go carried into the night. Sure. Okay. So if we're, we're, we're dealing with monsters and scary things, he's right on what he should be. His imagination, right. his brain is growing that way. It's just what he is. He's all about that right now, mm-hmm. pirates and monsters and all these great things. Sure. Um, and so we need to be aware of that during the day. So when we're uh, reading stories with him and um, having um, getting books from the library, we want to make sure that we're not bringing in a lot of new concepts, okay. new scary things that might, for him, okay. cause that. So that means that the, that the stories at the end of the day and stories for bedtime are really going to be focused on 
stories he already knows. Okay. Stories that he's familiar with, okay. that he's already processed. Okay. And then the new stories can be introduced if you get a library book during the morning time so he has the day to process them. Okay. Um, and then during the day, when you are home with him and he is around, try to spend time in that room, in his room, where you want him to be sleeping. Right. Make that a daytime event. You're okay. going to play in that room. Okay. You're going to do laundry, fold laundry in that room. Mm-hmm. You're going to familiarize him with that room. Okay. And then I want you to play hide and go seek in that room. Mm-hmm. So he finds all those great hiding places. Mm-hmm. And so when it is dark, he'll know that, oh, in that closet, there's a really good place to hide. Or in that closet, I was just in that closet this day. There's no monsters in there, mm-hmm. right? And then at nighttime when we are asleep or trying to go to sleep, you can say, remember we, we, we hid in there today. Mm-hmm. There were no monsters in there. Right. Um, and and we can go check, though, again, if you want. We can go check. Sure. And then, so you're going to play a lot in the room during the day, and then at the end of the day, I need you to do all those pleasant nurturing things that you do with your children mm-hmm. in their space. Okay. So that means getting dressed. Mm-hmm. That means reading stories. That means cuddle time. That means listening to soothing music. All these pieces need to be part of that space. Okay. So when he wakes up in the middle of the night, he'll remember those. Right. Versus remember, I don't know where I am. What is this place? Right. I didn't go to sleep here. Right. And then the last piece I need you to do before the when the lights when it gets dark in that room, mm-hmm. I also need you to um, make that space familiar for. And for example, uh, Sarah, you talk about moving into a new home eventually too. This is something you're going to want to do when you move. Is you're going to lie in his bed and you're going to get flashlights. And uh, when the lights are all out, you're going to play a game called. Let's find, like, flashlight tag. Let's find the things in our room. So you'll start off. Okay. I'm going to, with my flashlight, I'm going to find the dresser. Okay. And you shine your flashlight over on the dresser. Okay. Okay, we found that. And then he, now it's his turn. Mm-hmm. Now you, you find something, and you tell me what you're going to find. Okay. So what, what is that game building for him, do you think? What would be... Just a familiarity with his room and, and where things are. In the dark. In the, in the dark. In the dark. That's the piece. So we're going to do a lot of daytime stuff right. with him in that room. Right. Playing hide-and-go-seek. Right. All those things, normal playing everything and then nighttime the same stuff right playing those games being aware of what a space is about okay, okay. then we're going to start if you're up for the next piece the sleep training piece right of how to get him and feel confident in his room okay and this is something that you you will do now and you will do about every six months you're gonna to have to keep on doing it okay it just kind of comes back again and again and again because that's how children relearn and retry things okay they master it for a while and then when they get in a really kind of an insecure moment in their life, they kind of sleep is one of the top ones that, that gets confusing again. Sleeping, eating, and pooping and peeing. Those are the ones that get chaos. Uh, so a sleep train technique is four and a half would be, you, you're going to look at a three-week period. So the first week would be lying with him for and doing a routine and then giving him 10 minutes of your undivided cuddle time with mm-hmm. you know maybe some soothing music okay. and then you're going to say we're going to we're going to help you learn to go to sleep in your room because this is something we've never taught you to do. Right. We're going to do this together. Yeah. That's the language. Okay. Not you're going to learn how to do this. Right. We are going to learn. Okay. We are going to help you learn right. to sleep in your room. Okay. And you, you got to put value on it. You think it's so great that you have this room and this bedroom and it's right. you're so excited that, that you have this space Absolutely. and so you got to sell it. Sure. <laughs> Once you've cuddled then you, then one of you is going to sit in that room couple feet from the bed. Mm-hmm. You're not going to give them your, your eye contact. We're just going to sit there and say, you know, we're going to help you 
this week. I'm going to sit here and help you go to sleep. So uh, what what's going to happen is I'm going to tuck you in, and then I'll sit here for this week um, until you fall asleep. And then once you're asleep, then I'm going to go get myself ready for bed. This is a big piece that children need to know where you go after they, they go to sleep. Right. It's funny that you bring this up because I actually, last night was some, I did this last night. Um, it's, but the consistency is what I lack. The consi- it, it's going to take a good three weeks of consistency right. for that to really get in the groove of it and to understand sure. it and to know. Because what, the, what they're looking for is predictability. Exactly. They want to see what you're going to do and how you're going to react every single time they do certain things. So if he gets out of the bed, you're going to walk him back. Mm-hmm. Walk him back. Don't carry him back. Okay. It's important that the brain makes that physical movement, okay. that walking movement, so dragging them there. to, because if you carry them, right. right, their brain isn't making a movement. Their brain is just being coddled and held, mm. and it's not making that movement to where they need to go. Mm. And then you know, if we talk to them and if we have interaction with them, if we cuddle and snuggle and kiss them, they're getting all that reward for, this is not the time for that. Right. So we need to just walk them back, tuck them in, put them in the bed, mm-hmm. tell them it's time to sleep. Go back to your chair. Mm-hmm. Okay. If he gets out again, you put him back in. You don't say anything. You tuck him in. Get back to your chair. Mm-hmm. You might end up doing that a hundred thousand times right. in one night. Right. But he will get it. He's just looking. Once again, they're looking for that consistent piece. Because sure. consistency equals security. Mm-hmm. That's how it all works. And then the next week, you move the chair to the doorway. Okay. You, that next week you can say, I'm going to stay here for 10 minutes and I'm going to go get my PJs on and I'll come back and check on you. Right. And I'll sit in the chair. Or you can just stay there until I fall asleep. It really depends on how much your child needs you. Okay. And then the next week it would be, I'm, you know, the chair is in the hallway okay. and I'm going to now come, I'll sit for 10 minutes and I am going to come and check on you every 10 minutes okay. and be there. But I'm not going to talk to you. I'm not going to interact with you. I'm not going to hug and kiss you. Right. This is, we're helping you learn to sleep in your bed. I think a lot of our parenting challenges of sleep is we feel that, that by the time we get them to bed or the time that nighttime comes, we have not spent enough time with our kids, and we right. feel that guilt. Sure. And so we want to give them what we can at that moment. And then it turns into this, oh, cuddle fest. And it mm-hmm. turns into, and that's where we have to go back to what we talked about earlier, which... Feed them when they're supposed to. Feed. Yeah. yeah. Give, give them the time and attention. Yeah. But it's, once again, it, think about it, if you could just add that whole one week, once a week, yeah. really connect. Right. At least, there's a lot less of this because they're not constantly trying to connect with us. Or in the morning, sir, mm-hmm. connecting immediately with our children and giving that two minutes of connection so they're not spending all day trying to get it. Right. It all builds up, mm-hmm. and that's the piece at night. We all crumble at night. Yeah, we're all tired. <laughs> we're all tired, and we all we all feel guilt. We want to connect with our children. Absolutely. And I'm not saying you can't co sleeping is fine too. There's all, but you when you co sleep, you do have to disconnect too for a little Absolutely. bit. You do have to. They have to learn to go to sleep. Right. We know he definitely has heightened sensory right. with hearing. Sure. We know this. Sure. And he's very aware of that. But he's, we're not heightened, heightened. But we know that he definitely has very good hearing because right. he can hear someone chew from right. across the room. So he might do well with, you know, very soothing piano music. Mm-hmm. Piano music has been proven over and over. The keyboard of that piano and that, right. that pounding of the piano keyboard right. is the key. No words, no jazz, right. you know, just very soothing piano music sure. really has scientifically been proven sure. to soothe children. 
But thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Is there anything else that you... I think that's it for now. Okay. Reagan, the mom, brought in a very interesting scenario about her young son, Charlie. It really is difficult, I can see, for this family to eat a meal, to understand why Charlie is acting this way. So what I wanted to help understand with Charlie was a little bit about his early years. You know, is Charlie maybe more sensitive? Are his sensory pieces heightened where he just the idea of having someone chew next to him is an overwhelming sound? That's why I asked the questions I did about his early years. And as we concluded, his chewing is really focusing on his sister. Charlie was very attuned to his sister uh, when she was a baby, when she might have choked or normal burping or spitting up, and maybe he didn't understand. And at that time in his life, that most likely created some form of an anxiety piece for him. We're going to help him when he is irritated by the sound. He's not just saying, oh, Charlie, don't be worried here, sister, just eating. It's, you know, taking time, narrating, acknowledging what he hears, acknowledging what he's thinking, hearing that, and just pausing for a minute. After we pause and giving him a, a chance to realize that we heard him, then it's asking those questions. And I like to use the wonder question. The wonder questions are those questions we ask our children when we want to find out more, but we don't want to give them information. We, we want them to think. We want them to think about why they are reacting that way. So a wonder question for him would be, I wonder why when your sister eats and chews, you don't like that chewing sound, but, but when I eat, you don't respond the same way. I wonder why that is. And that's giving you a chance to hear the child, let them think about what's really bothering them, and giving them the time to process. A lot of anxiety that our children have is the lack of time to think and process ideas, concepts, and then to learn to understand them. Everyday Parenting is produced by me, Teresa Wang. The music you hear in our podcast is courtesy of Stephen Morell. Join the discussion. Search for Everyday Parenting Group on Facebook, where you can discuss the latest episode, ask for advice, give advice, and posit the question, what would Mary Beth do? You can also reach us at parentingpodcast.com or on Twitter, where our handle is Podcast Parents, or Instagram, where our handle is Everyday Parenting Podcast. Be sure to check our website for more tips at everydayparentingpodcast.com and sign up for our newsletter. To make sure you catch our next episode, subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. And make sure you rate us on iTunes. It helps more people find us.